Good morning and welcome to the first live streaming broadcast of the Northside Baptist Church. We are uh, so thrilled that you are here and glad that you are here with us in these interesting and trying times. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, although this is a hard time and a difficult time, the fact is that God is using it. The fact is that we are now live streaming, and although this morning we're only live streaming something that uh, was kind of put together just quickly a few days ago, it won't take long, and I think we'll get the folks we have who are actually really good at this stuff, and we'll have a real live camera instead of just talking to my computer sitting out here, and we will live stream our services, I suspect, every Sunday. So this is the start of a great thing and a good thing, and I think the capacity to do this and to not just us, but many of God's churches throughout our nation are for the first time adopting and using this kind of technology and this ability to communicate and to speak with one another, and that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. I think that God is going to be able to use this, I think, the very trying times we find ourselves in. God is going to use them. Um, A few announcements to get the morning going. We are, as it were, suspending all services until such time as they inform us that we should be doing otherwise. Uh, God has placed our government over us. It is their job and responsibility to attempt to keep us safe. They are doing that, and it's in our best interest to strive to be cooperative with that and to allow ourselves uh, to be obedient and to be examples of that. However, with uh, discernment and with wisdom, that doesn't mean that we, we need to become hermits. We don't have to close ourselves off into our homes and never step outside. Uh, The fact is that uh, with, again, discernment and wisdom, um, if there's a family that you get along with particularly well, uh, by all means, invite them over to your home, sit and talk and and have great times of fellowship. We had a family come over this last week, and we just sat in my backyard, and the four of us just sat there for, oh, an hour or so and sipped lemonade and just chatted and talked and had a great time. And and when they left, I realized, you know, this used to be a normal part of life. This used to happen all the time. And it's actually been years since we've had that kind of an event. So we don't have to be hermits. We don't have to uh, just close ourselves off. Um, Don't get into uh, groups of any more than 10 is the recommendation. But by all means, feel free to invite a family over to your home or go over to another family's. And if you're uncomfortable going in the house, just sit in the backyard. We live here in Del Rio. We have great weather. Don't hesitate to do that. Um, remember, God is still in control. Uh, this is all in his hands. It did not at all take him by surprise. Uh, we'll speak more to that in a moment when we get into our actual sermon. For us to be confronted as a nation with our mortalities. It's not a bad thing. Uh, We are here for one another. Uh, We as a church and as a church body are striving to take care of one another. 
If you find yourself running out of some of the essentials of life, don't hesitate. Uh, contact me, email, call, text, whatever, and let me know. We will do what we can uh, to pool our resources and to take care of each other and to make sure we get through this trial together with love and mercy and compassion and kindness to one another. In regards to your tithes and offerings, uh, you're certainly welcome to mail them. Uh, you are, uh, if you are particularly technically savvy and have a PayPal account, you will notice if you go to the church's website, which is in your bulletin, um, I'll send an email out with it and make sure that everyone can just click on the link. And up there in the top right-hand corner, there's now a PayPal link. And you can click that, and it's, it's very straightforward. You can either schedule regular donations or just make a one-time donation. I should also mention that Maddie's mission trip to the Dominican Republic in June is still continuing to be planned and to move forward. And we certainly hope, by God's grace, to be past uh, most of the excitement here when that event uh, finally rolls around. So continue to pray for Maddie. Continue to pray for her. Um, generally, these kinds of flu viruses uh, come springtime. The UV rays of the sun are pretty hard on them, and so they don't tend to spread quite as much. Uh, usually the flu season sets in, in in the fall and tends to go away in the spring. And spring comes early here in Del Rio, so we'll pray God's grace that that will happen even, even uh, better for us. This is also a time I would encourage you to get to know your neighbors when you go check the mail or if you're out taking a walk, um, it's okay to sit and talk to your neighbors and maybe develop some relationships that you haven't before, maybe even get together a, a, a little neighborhood group, um, not physically meet, but uh, just put together, again, resources so that you can take care of one another. If you're heading down to Walmart, let your neighbor know and uh, be there for them. And uh, it's time to have good personal relationships, something that as a society we have kind of lacked. Um, I sent out an email yesterday, uh, Kayla Thomas and, and her family, Kaylin and Caitlin, and, and uh, they, they find themselves now with their granddad having died, and uh, he was in Kentucky. They are today, I'm guessing, traveling and are going to be going over there and visiting. So pray, pray for them, pray for their safe journey, and that God will take care of them. This week as well, Truma is going in. Uh, for some heart surgery. Um, they have to do this, so it's a serious event. And the hospital now has made a policy of absolutely no one who is not a patient is allowed in the hospital. So pray for Sammy. That's going to be a pretty challenging thing. He's pretty much going to drive up and, and get Truma uh, through the doors, and that will be that. He will not be able to be with her. Uh, until such time as she is released from the hospital. So we'll pray for them. Also pray, uh, Ann Darley's husband, Travis, has some pretty significant doctor's appointments this week as well uh, to be looking into what is going on there. So let me just take a moment, and uh, we will pray together as a body, and we will ask that God watch over. Lord, we ask for your blessing on this nation. We pray that though this is a trying time, may be a time where we remember that you are God, 
you are in charge, that we are just flesh and we are mortal. And so may we look to you for strength and encouragement. May this be a time that as a nation, we will see ourselves develop closer personal bonds, that we will get to know our neighbors better, that we will have actual face-to-face conversations occasionally instead of Uh, just so busily running around doing our lives. May we stop and for just a moment remember. And Lord, may you use this to bring about a great revival in our nation. May people be drawn to you and remember the end of life is not quite as far away as we might be tempted to think. We also pray for Maddie's mission strip. We pray that that'll be a great time, be preparing hearts even now. We pray for... Travis Darley, we pray that uh, you will watch over him and that as he goes for this appointment, the doctors will have wisdom and good words and they'll be encouraged. We also pray particularly for Truma and we pray that you will watch over her. We pray for Sammy. We also pray for Cynthia and pray that you will give her the strength she needs, uh, that she'll be able to take care of her daughter and just watch over them as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I should also mention that uh, Betty passed away. She deliberately asked to not have a funeral, so we didn't have one. Uh, She also was, you know, Betty, a little hesitant on wanting a memorial service, but Cynthia kind of let her know that she's a a dear member of this church, and it would have never been the same place without her, and uh, as soon as we are able to get together again as a body and and uh, this time has passed, we are, in fact, going to get together and have a great celebration and celebrate Betty's, Betty's dear life. What a, what a wonderful, dear saint of God. What a marvelous lady. I can hardly wait to uh, get together and to talk about the marvelous things she has done. Today, I want us to look at a psalm. We're going to be looking at Psalms 91, uh, Psalm 91, and... This is, a, this is an amazing and great and appropriate psalm for this morning. This is a psalm very likely written by a priest, and he's seeking to comfort the people of Israel as they're going through a very trying time. And on their case, most likely, it's a time of war, a time in which their enemies are attacking them. And the question is, are we going to trust God? Are we going to look to God to deliver us? And in the midst of our trials and hardships, when everything seems to be falling apart, are we going to be looking to God to take care of us and to watch over us and to make sure that our hearts are in God's hands and that we don't get anxious or worried or all of those different things that can come our way? God is never going to send us anything we can't handle. So the psalmist starts out first in verse 1, Psalm 91. 1 verse 1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So those who live in the shelter, those who dwell, those who who make their place of abode, a place of living, we say, all right, I'm going to go through life and like now we're having a hard time and a difficult time. This is a, a very trying time. But where do we truly dwell? What do we make our dwelling place? And we should make it, our hearts should first turn to the place of the Most High. That is 
God here. He is the most high. This, this is a divine title for God. He's the exalted ruler of the universe. He is the one who is in charge. He is the one who will protect the innocent. And he will also ultimately judge the wicked. Uh, another psalm that speaks of this is Psalm 18. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. This is God, our Most High. He is not taken by surprise by the challenges or the difficulties that we're facing. He is the one who sits in heaven and looks down upon us. He is not shaken. If we will trust in the Lord, he will show his loving kindness to us. If we abide in the shadow of the Almighty, this is the word Shaddai, and you may be familiar with the song, El Shaddai. The Shaddai is the one who protects, and this idea of shadow, this is the idea of, of a, like a bird who gathers up its chicks under its wings. If we will abide in the shadow of God, if we will simply hide ourselves under God, we will find his great protection. So when hardship comes, that's where we want to be. Verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Speak to God when we pray to God in this time of challenge and trials and and perhaps we're concerned and, and maybe worried that this virus, which seems to make so many people uh, so ill and threatens the lives of many, we may be worried about that. We go to God and we say to him, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. I, I am going to trust in you. You are the mighty one. You are the one who sits in heaven. You are the one who rules and reigns. Nothing is going to come into our lives that God doesn't allow. God is ultimately and always completely in charge. We can trust him. We can bring our cares and our worries and our concerns to him, and he rules. He sits on the throne. Verse 3, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper. Again, referring back to uh, the idea of an animal caught in a trap, or uh, he's going to go on here and speak for a moment about... um, birds and animals. And, but here he's speaking of the trapper. Now, when you think about how traps work, uh, I knew a gentleman back in New Hampshire who uh, he made a part of his income was to go out and to trap various animals and then collect uh, the animals. And the idea is to set out a trap that can't be seen, hopefully, and to put a bait or something in it And so you're just kind of walking along and it all seems safe and everything seems good. And all of a sudden, you're caught. You're trapped. And you can't get out. And you can't get away. And you might be tempted to panic. Um, You might, uh, in this particular incident of our particular society and situation, you may find yourself at home, feel like you can't even go to the grocery store, feel feel like you're trapped. And what are you going to do in the midst of perhaps feeling trapped? Come to God. Tell the Lord. Let him know. Lord, I, I feel like the, everything is closing in on me. My, perhaps my health wasn't all that good to begin with. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling like things are surrounding me and I'm, I'm a little enclosed. And I, I, I want you to deliver me. You know what? God is going to be there for us. He, when we're not in control of the situation, and 
Here we are, and if you look around, we realize we are, in fact, not in control of this situation. It has swept across the entire world, and we seem to just be swept along with it. God is not swept along. God is in control. He's in charge. And so, though we may seem trapped by these circumstances, we're not. We're in the hands of God. He is there to protect us and watch over us. And should the fact come that we are delivered, he goes on and says, from the deadly pestilence. If we are delivered from the deadly pestilence, if if it passes us by, if it just goes, goes beyond us and we're delivered, you know, that's not because the, the lucky stars, if we don't want to thank our lucky stars, we want to say, wow, that was glad, uh, glad we just happened to, to get by that. No, it, it's not chance, it's not luck, it's God. If, in fact, come June or July or so, and this is all over, and we look around and say, uh, you know, maybe that wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be, by God's grace, may that be the case, um, that was, in fact, God's grace. We are going to be delivered from the deadly pestilence. Written over 2,500 years ago, this psalm, maybe even 3,000 years ago. And isn't it interesting? We think, well, those old-fashioned folks way back in those ancient times, you know, they didn't have things like we have. We've got computers and MRIs, and, and we've got all of this wonderful, marvelous technology. Why, all of that will surely stand between us and, and all the pestilence. Uh, isn't it interesting? Here we are. 2020, and we are still fearful for our lives from the pestilence. And the reason for that is because every once in a while, God actually decides to let us know that we are mortal, that we are not in charge. God is in charge. And that's kind of a hard lesson, but it's a lesson that we need and our nation needs to remember. We have in many, many sections of our nation forgotten that God rules. We have large groups of our society and our nation and our world who instead of worshiping God and instead of expecting the God of heaven to watch over them, uh, they're looking to people in white lab coats and clipboards or they're looking to the government and they're thinking that somehow these folks are going to rescue us. The reality is that Should God choose, and by the way, just look around and see that he graciously doesn't send us a deadly plague like every spring. The fact is that there are any number of deadly viruses out there that at any moment could sweep through the world's population. And we would be helpless against them. It takes a while to, even if you have a vaccine, it takes a while to actually get it to grow. It's kind of like having a baby. You can't hire nine doctors and have a baby in one month. It just takes some time. And so it is with a, if we come up with a a way to actually fight this virus, we're going to have to grow that. And they're working on it. But until then, we have God who's going to watch over us. He's going to take care of us. God graciously doesn't send us a deadly virus every spring. And so we've got to grow some vaccine for it. Um, By God's grace, most flu seasons are quite mild. And when we get one like this, which is in fact deadly to a certain segment of the population, God is still in control and God is still in charge. 
It says in verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. Again, going back to the idea of the shadow. If you've ever had uh, chickens, if you've ever managed to get them to run around in your yard and uh, in general, they're the most expensive eggs you're ever going to eat. At the moment, however, if you happen to have chickens and you've been to Walmart of late, you'll discover that there are no eggs. So if you have chickens, that's, that's good. And if you have chickens and you've got hens and they've got little chicks, you know, if a hawk flies over and you get that hawking screech or even just the shadow goes across the, the yard, the mama hen will cluck and, and she'll put her wings out and those little chicks will just run right over and jump up and she'll just protect them and, and make her way over to her nest and make sure that they are all protected. They'll get in under her wings. That's exactly the picture that the psalmist is presenting here. God is going to cover you with his pinions or with his wings. And under his wings, we can seek refuge. We're in a time where we feel a little uncertain. We're not exactly sure how this is all going to go. This is the time. This is the moment that we come to God. And we put all of our trust and faith in him. He goes on and says, his faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. God's faithfulness to us is a shield. Now, this word shield is, it's not just a small little shield. This is a large, full-body shield that goes from our head all the way down to our feet. And this shield wraps around us. It's, it's a half-round shield, a full body. This is the kind of shield God is to us. And a bulwark is a, it's a large wall. It's a, a protection around us. This is who God is. Yes, we're in difficult and trying and and hard times, but God is going to surround us. God is going to protect us. God is a shield and a bulwark around us. Verse 5, he says, You will not be afraid of terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. You ever have one of those nights where you wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning and suddenly all kinds of things that don't really bother you at all in the daytime, suddenly they concern you. Suddenly, you're worried about them. And there are terrors of the night. Um, Things can happen in the night. God protects us. God watches over us. We don't need to be afraid by the terror of night. God is is standing guard. We can can relax. You've memorized some verses, which I strongly encourage you to do. This is the perfect moment to sit and quote some scripture to yourself and Allow God to take care of you. Trust him. He also protects us from the arrow that flies by day. Again, referring to the fact that this psalm is most likely directed to people who are in a time of war. Um, we, uh, I don't know about you, I've, I've never been in an actual war situation, but I certainly have used a bow and arrow on occasion. And I remember when I got my first real bow, it, was a, it actually had some 40 or 50 pounds to it. And I remember having a great big field, and you go out in the middle of the field, and you think to yourself, I wonder just how far I can shoot an arrow. And so you point the thing in the sky, and you pull it back, and you let it go. I would imagine several folks listening here have experienced the exact same thing. It takes about a half a second as you're watching that arrow shoot up into the sky to realize that was not a good idea because it goes so high up into the sky, it just completely disappears. And there you stand wondering what in the world you should do. And 
I did the math that it seems extremely unlikely that that arrow is going to come directly back down. I don't think I'm that good a shot. And so you just kind of stand there and wait for the arrow to come back down. But it is a moment of concern. Uh, that arrow could, in fact, come down with deadly force and could land most anywhere. Um, we should be afraid uh, if we are, don't, don't shoot arrows like that. Don't, don't do that. But these particular people are in a time of war. And there are people who are looking at them. There are people who are targeting them. There are people who want to go after them. Even in those situations, God still watches over us. God is still looking out for us. He goes on in verse 6 and says, Don't be afraid of the pestilence that that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. Again, referring back to the pestilence here. If you're in a time of war, uh, we often think that some of the most deadly things that go on in war would be our enemy's arrows or our enemy's swords or whatever weapon it is that they use. But actually, oftentimes, um, one of the more devastating and deadly things that occur in times of war is pestilence, the, uh, the diseases that will come. And because you're in oftentimes a weakened state at a time of war, you're not eating like you should and you're not sleeping like you should. And now you find yourself getting ill. Many people get ill during times of war. And the illness that starks in darkness or the destruction. Uh, huge rocks can get thrown in times of war or bombs or all these kinds of things. You know what? God protects in those things. And you'll note that there is here some Hebrew parallelism or poetry. In verse 5, he says, don't be afraid of the terror by night. And in verse 6, don't be afraid of the pestilence that is there at night. Or the arrow that flies by day or the destruction that comes at noon. Basically making the point that God protects you day and night. God is there for us. God is going to watch over us day and night. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your right side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. This psalm is directed to those who are in the midst of of a war with the wicked who have attacked them. This is the nation Israel. They are God's people. They are looking to God to protect them, and he does protect them. So this is not an absolute ironclad guarantee here that we're never going to have any trials or difficulties or hardships. It wasn't even an ironclad guarantee to them. Uh, There were, of course, we can see at times of war, there were people in the nation of Israel and soldiers who would die. But the point is that it's always in the hand of God. We don't have to be afraid. Do what God asks us to do. Be bold. Speak God's word. Speak into our society. Speak at a time in which it's difficult to speak, at a time in which you might be hesitant to speak. You might wonder what happens to you if you speak. This is the moment to do it. This is the moment to speak on God's behalf and to declare boldly that we are Christians. And that we stand for God. And even in the midst of hardship and trials and difficulties, God is going to be there for us. This is not the moment for us to be fearful. When, when this psalm was uh, applied in the time of the nation of Israel, uh, you will recall Joshua. Joshua leads the nation in, uh, the people across the Jordan River, into the, into the nation, the promised land, and everywhere he goes, it doesn't matter whether he fights to the south or to the north or to the east or to the west, everywhere Joshua goes, he wins. 
everywhere the nation goes, anywhere, any tribe, wherever they go, they win. All they have to do is get their sword and march out there and face the enemy, and they win. But the fact is, they did not conquer all the people of the land. Oh, they, they, they went to where they needed to. They went all the way to the north and the south and the east and the west, but there were pockets of resistance, and they just grew comfortable. They just were at ease. And the only way to go to war at that point was to actually seek it out. And they didn't seek it out. They just kind of decided, well, I've got my piece of land, and I've got my home, and I've got my place, and I'm tired of going to battle. And so they went home, and they left these people. And if you just read, you will see that, of course, exactly like Joshua warned them, uh, these people came back and... They grew and they prospered and they became a thorn in the side of Israel their entire time. All they needed to do was just go engage these folks in battle and they would have won. We too, this is what we're being exhorted with here. If we will go forth, if we will preach the gospel, if we will do the things that God asks us to do today, keep up the good fight, continue to do the right thing and God will be with us. He will protect us. He will stand with us. And he moves on now to the attitude of those people who are looking to see God work. Verse 9, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. If we will make the Lord our refuge, if we will make him our high and, and mighty wall that will stand around us, and if we will look to him as the most high, as going back, and this is a repeat of verse 1, and make him our dwelling place, God will protect us from evil. God will watch over us. Not an absolute guarantee, um, and that's, that's interesting, nor will any plague come near your tent. We may look at that and say, oh, well, all right, if that's the case, then I guess, I guess we can just go do whatever we want, right? I, maybe we don't actually have to listen to all of these warnings. Um, but the fact is, That's not true, Uh, and he's not making that. Uh, In fact, if we look at the next verse, we're going to see that it's it's a a familiar verse, and he's going to talk about the specific idea of whether or not we should just throw caution to the wind and, well, God said he's going to protect us from anything. I guess we can, we can, we don't have to pay attention to all of these hygiene things, and we should just go get into big crowds, and it's okay, God is going to watch over us. Um, listen to the next couple of verses. It should sound familiar. He will give his angels charge concerning you to guide you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You may remember that this is the exact passage that Satan quoted to Jesus when he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. And he took him up to this high place and said, okay, why don't you just jump off? I mean, come on, you can jump off the temple, you'll do a great sign, everyone will see it, everyone will watch, and everyone will know, because there's the psalm, it promises that God will give his angels charge concerning you, and they'll guard you in all your ways. And, and you, won't even, you won't even have a, a, your foot touch and be dashed against a stone. You'll, you could fall off the temple or jump off the temple, and it'll be fine. And, of course, we all know exactly what Jesus said. Don't tempt the Lord your God. So, 
and that should be exactly what we think. Yes, God is going to protect us. God is going to watch over us. Though we may see uh, 10,000 fall at our right hand, that doesn't mean that we need to act without wisdom or that we should act in an irresponsible manner. In fact, we should act exactly with great prudence and wisdom. Now, if inadvertently, he goes on to say, you may tread upon a lion or a cobra or the young lion or the serpent, but you'll trample them down. Uh, If the time comes that, in fact, you are confronted with a deadly foe, uh, God is still going to be there with you. He's still going to watch over you. This is the promise. Again, not everyone's going to die. We're going to get older, and those things are going to happen to us, but God is going to not allow that to happen until such time as God is ready to take us home. We are indestructible until God wants us. That's, again, not a license to act foolishly, but it is a great encouragement to be obedient, to do what God has called us to do. Verse 14, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. This is God speaking to those who love him, to those who watch and follow him. Those who love God, he will deliver them. He will securely set them on high. Those who know his name, and that, of course, is us. And he goes on to describe those very people. Verse 15, he will call upon me. That's us. We call upon God, and I will answer him, God says. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. That is a great promise to us. It's it's not a guarantee that we should act irresponsibly, but it's a great promise. And, of course, ultimately, we will have eternal life, not just long life. And, of course, ultimately, we will see the full salvation of God. We will not just see the forgiveness of our sins in this life. We will see eternal life and ultimate and total forgiveness of our sins for eternity. These are great promises for us. God is going to watch over us. All things will work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that is us. That's who we are. God loves us and is watching over us and is going to take care of us. This is a time for prudence. It's not a time for panic. This is a moment for us to continue to trust God and to pray that through these circumstances, God is going to bring about great works in our lives and the lives of our friends and family and neighbors. If you're watching too much TV, if you're just continuously checking the news, if you're, if you're just finding yourselves every five or ten minutes going back and going to some website and looking to see how many people have died and, and, and oh, look where it spread to this nation or that. Let me encourage you. Please stop. Stop doing that. Maybe once or twice a day. Yeah, go ahead. But you know, this is actually the perfect moment to work on that project you've been thinking about. This is that time to spend some time with your family. Um, look around and ask yourself, truly, does, do we need to worry about something that for us has not yet gotten here? Um, this is the time to relax. 
trust God. If you happen to not be able to go into work, take the time to work on some projects. Take the time to have some fun. Do some things with your family. Um, This is a great time to refresh and renew relationships. I I read a just a heartbreaking headline. It said, Mommy, I really like this virus. And, of course, the article went on to say the child, um, their mom was finally home with them. Mom had been home, and they could sit and do things together. And, of course, the child was too young to think about the tragedy of this virus. All the child knew was that finally, as a family, we have gotten together, and we're spending time together. That is just a great thing. This is, this is a great blessing in many regards. So take the time. Take the time to enjoy and to be together and, and to just see God's great grace. I want to close with what I think is probably one of, one of the greatest and most appropriate uh, verses in, in all of Scripture. This is by Paul, and he's writing to the church at Rome, and he says this. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that you are in charge, that you are watching over us. So, Lord, may we look to you and trust you, and may we give our hearts, our lives, everything we have, they're all in your hands. May we just live like we actually believe that. Lord, may this be a time we use to honor and to glorify you and to display a peace that passes all understanding. We pray in your name. Amen.